Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffTheGridNews.com. Today's guest is Jim Cobb. He's a preparedness expert who has written a series of written several books on this topic of preparedness, including Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide, Food, shelter, security, off-the-grid power, and more life-saving strategies for self-reliant living. He's also written Prepper's Home Defense and Prepper's Armed Defense. He's also working on a follow-up book to his uh, book, Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide. It will be called Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide. Book two, more life-saving strategies for years of self-sufficient living. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. How how did you get interested in this topic of preparedness and self-reliance, Jim? Well... I actually, I, I became interested in it at a fairly young age. Um, when I was still in middle school and even a little bit into grade school, it just seemed like common sense to me to be better prepared for emergencies. You know, and back then it's, you know, blizzards and power outages, you know, severe weather, that kind of thing. Sure. So my my interest in preparedness and survival, capital P, capital S, kind of came from that. You know, it evolved from that. When I was in middle school, that's when I discovered um, post-apocalyptic fiction, things like mm-hmm. The Survivalist by Jerry and Sharon Ahern. And, you know, being a, a young man, it really kind of captured my imagination to think about, you know, God, what would it be like if this or that happened? And then it was shortly after that that I discovered that there were people who were actually actively preparing for these things and teaching these skills and all that. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Hmm. Broad picture, Jim, what are we talking about when we discuss long-term survival? What kind of scenario? We, like you and I were discussing before we started recording, in America today, we have trouble as a society even picturing what this would be, what would cause this. So what would cause something like this to where we have to you know, be self-reliant and in, in, in where we, uh, you know, don't have power for days and days? Well, there are a few different scenarios that can come into play. The first one, the one that's most commonly discussed in the prepper world, I think, is what I call the dreaded EMP, electromagnetic pulse, where there's this this thing that happens. They can send a bomb up into the sky, and if it's high enough, and it goes off correctly, it could theoretically shut down the power grid Mm -hmm. for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of debate as to what an EMP really would affect versus what authors and novelists and movie makers want it to affect. Um, Another one would be, you know, the good old-fashioned nuclear war. You know, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, the height of the Cold War, that was always the big thing for us. You know, I remember watching the day after on TV when I was in school and how people were terrified at the thought of, you know, this massive nuclear holocaust uh, pandemic, you know, a, a regional or nationwide or even global pandemic of some sort, uh, not unlike what they saw with uh, the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s, wiped out a whole mess of people. And, you know, that was over 100 years ago. 
transportation has evolved a little bit since then. We're a little more connected today than we were back then. One would have to think that diseases, viruses, things like that would spread even faster. Yeah, then, yeah. And the thing is, when you look at these events or potential events, we think of them as singular. You know, we think of it as a pandemic would, you know, effectively bring us to a standstill. But you have to remember there's often a domino effect. You know, if a, a national, nationwide pandemic were to hit and you have all these people who are either sick, dying, or just hunkered down at home for weeks and weeks and weeks, not only are we, you know, dealing with all of the bodies and all of the infection and everything else, but our society is effectively at a standstill. Yeah. Nobody's going to work. Yeah. Therefore, nobody's earning money. Therefore, now we've got banks wondering when they're going to get paid their mortgages. And you have, you know, all these things that kind of build and build and build until something's got to break. Yeah, some people, Jim, I just want to toss this in there because in case someone's listening right now and they don't understand how a power grid could be down for months, uh, there are actually some parts of the grid that are um, custom made. And so you, you don't, they're not, they're not, they're not huge backup parts laying aside to replace them. And that's how that, and that these are, it's not just Jim and I talking, these are experts in the field who have, uh, who have studied this issue and who uh, will explain that, you know, you, you, you don't replace those parts overnight. You replace them by making a new part uh, overseas or somewhere else, and it takes months to replace that. That's how that works. Um, you, you know, of course, your book gives some examples from history of, uh, of pandemics and plagues. The Black Plague of the 1300s killed 200 million people about 60% of the European population, uh, by estimates. Uh, the Spanish flu of the early 1900s, just over you know 100 years ago, killed 50 to 100 million people. Uh, One million people died during the Irish potato famine of, of the 1800s. And so these are not theoretical uh, problems. These are, you know, historical facts. And so that's, what, that's where Jim is coming from. Let's talk specifics, Jim. So if there is a long-term uh, blackout or a pandemic or, or whatever, one of the first things people think about, okay, you got to eat, you know, you got to eat. And so if it's summertime, you don't have to worry about warmth necessarily right away. You got, you have to eat. So what, what are people, what are the strategies for, for surviving long-term just with food? Well, as with every aspect of long-term survival planning, it's a little bit different than preparing for say, you know, severe weather that's going to strand you at home for a day or two. You know, as we're, talking right now there are weather forecasts for the east coast you know there are areas that are looking at literally three feet of snow in the next couple of days preparing for something like that is a lot different than preparing for a long-term event because with you know a severe weather event like a blizzard yeah it, it, it's kind of sucky going through it you know especially if you didn't stop at the store and you know you're getting a little hungry and you're eating ketchup sandwiches. <laughs> but you know that within a couple of days, the plows are going to have gone through, and you can get back to the grocery store and get what you want. With a long-term event, not so much. With long-term, we look at more of a self-reliant focus. You know, what can we do to provide for our own needs for a long period of time? For food, it's a two-pronged approach. You want to have enough food stored to feed you and your family for a considerable length of time. But on top of that, you want to have the means in place 
to raise and grow additional food. Now, this is where some survivalists kind of go wrong, where their idea is, well, I'm going to you know, stockpile all these cases of heirloom seeds. That's great, but as any gardener will tell you, it's not as simple as just throwing some seeds in the ground, pouring some water on them, and stand there and wait. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot more involved with growing food, and even the most experienced gardeners out there would never rely on a first-year garden to do much of anything in terms of producing food, you know. So you want to have enough food set aside, stockpiled, to meet you and your family's needs for at least one full season. If that garden doesn't pan out, you don't want to starve. You want to have enough food there that will get you to the next season and, you know, kind of ramp it up from there. Makes sense. Let's take a quick break, Jim. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Jim Cobb. He is the author of Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide, which Survival Guide, which has really good reviews on Amazon. We'll be right back. Finally in the news this evening, it's being reported that cyber spies from Russia and China have now penetrated our power grid. Even as energy experts are reporting that each summer we get closer and closer to the limits of our nation's power grid, some say that this summer's demand for electrical power may finally push the grid over its edge, creating a cascade of power outages across the country, putting us all in the dark. Are you prepared for the next round of storm-related outages or government-created blackouts? Have you ever thought about taking steps to get off the grid and generate your own private supply of electrical power? If so, this will be the most important information you have ever heard. Solar-powered generators are finally available. They have no moving parts to wear out or break and require absolutely no gas whatsoever. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to MySolarBackup.com. That's MySolarBackup.com. Check out MySolarBackup.com before you lose your power. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Jim, let's talk uh, water now. We've discussed for long-term survival, we've discussed food. Let's talk about water, uh, because, you know, when if the grid goes down, <laughs> you're in a world of hurt because the water might not be pure. So what do you, what do you do? Well, again, you know, just like food, you want to have a multi-step approach or multi-prong approach. You want to have water stockpiled. Um, realistically, you can never store too much water. You know, the the thing that people don't realize is water doesn't go bad. Water doesn't deteriorate. It doesn't rot. It doesn't, you know, get nasty. Water is what it is. Other things can be introduced into it if it's not stored properly. But the water that falls from the sky today is the exact same water that fell on the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. It's H2O. That's it. So the first step is to make sure that you have adequate water stored to last you and your family for some length of time. You know, the, the more water you can store, the better difficulty is water is heavy, it's bulky, you can't shrink it, you can't make it lighter. There is no such thing as dehydrated water, you know. <laughs> um, so the other, the other angle here is you want to have the means 
to filter or purify water that you source from outside the home. Creeks, ponds, puddles, lakes, rainwater, whatever. You want to have the means to take that water and make it safe to consume. I prefer filters like uh, the Sawyer Mini, the Sawyer Squeeze. You know, there are a multitude of products out there that will do the job. Um, one really great one for bulk uh, filtration is uh, a new one called the In-Case water filter. It's coming from the folks at uh, shtfandgo.com. Um, it's pricey, but it'll get you a gallon a minute. And there's really nothing else on the market, I think, that can beat it. Um, but you want to have the means to take water that's sourced from outside your home and make it safe. Choose whichever products that fit into your budget, that fit into your lifestyle, and stock up on what you need. Um, you want to have plenty of containers on hand. I don't like the idea of storing giant 55-gallon drums of water just because they're about impossible to move once they're full. But smaller, you know, 3-gallon, 5-gallon, even 7-gallon containers, you know, water weighs 8.34 pounds per gallon. So once you get up around 7 gallons, you're talking almost 60 pounds that you're going to have to move. So you got to be careful. You know, make sure that you're able to move the water as necessary because if you can't move it to where you need it, it's going to be worthless. Let's talk medicine now. Uh, you, you get, we've talked food and water. What do you do about medicine? Well, medicine, one of the things that I highly recommend is that people seek out training and education. You know, it's one thing to teach somebody how to use a water filter. It's another thing entirely to try to teach them how to use a tourniquet or, you know, other first aid supplies. It's not something you can necessarily just watch a video on YouTube and think, okay, I'm good to go. Uh, seek out training with uh, the Red Cross or other agencies for first aid. Uh, get a good handle on the basics. But on top of that, really consider exploring the world of alternative medicine, things like herbal remedies and wild medicinals, things like that, they're going to be a lot easier to find than, say, a bottle of antibiotics. Um, and you want to be able to treat basic illnesses, treat basic injuries. I wouldn't expect anybody to learn how to do open-heart surgery after you know taking a class at the Red Cross, but being able to set a broken bone, being able to stop the bleed, things like that, these are very, very important, and you need to seek out the proper training for how to handle them. With the herbal remedies and the wild medicinals, virtually anywhere you live, you're surrounded by all kinds of different plants that can be beneficial to you if you know how to identify them properly and you know how to use them properly. Security is another one, uh, self-defense, because when we're talking about a long-term blackout or a long-term uh, whatever, pan anything, pandemic, anything, you're talking about a breakdown of society, which means that police might not be around to protect you. So what do you, what do, you do there? Well, community survival, I think, is very important. Um, I, I think it's critical that you reach out to those around you, and, you know, particularly before 
an event. You know, get to know your neighbors a little bit. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, you invite everybody over for a grand tour of all your food and water you have stored. <laughs> but get an idea on who lives around you and what their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, and kind of feel them out a little bit if, you know, they have an eye towards the future. And even if they don't, you know what, after a disaster, we're all survivalists, you know. Um, firearms are certainly an important component of security, but they're not the only component for security. I see far too many survivalists and preppers who feel that, you know, if I spend ten grand into an armory, I don't need to buy another thing. I can just take what I want. Um, and that's the entirely wrong approach. This isn't Hollywood, and you're not Dwayne Johnson, you know, um, <laughs> or Jason Statham or Bruce Willis or, you know, yeah. name the hero. <laughs> um, I, I'm a big proponent of being realistic with whatever area of preparedness you want to discuss, you know. One of the examples I like to use is bugging out. And if you aren't able to walk to your mailbox and back without taking a break, bugging out 150 miles on foot is not going to end well for you. You need to take into account your overall situation, your skill set, what you are truly capable of and what you're not. And the areas where you're weak, you need to either strengthen or partner with people who can shore up those areas. Let's uh, begin closing the show now, Jan, by discussing uh, what, what else people can find in your book, because, of course, you discuss everything we've, just, we've talked about today in more detail in your book, Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide. You also talk about, I believe, uh, you know, staying warm, you talk about tools, because if you know, in, a, in a non-electrical society, there are hand tools that people will need. What, what else is in the book? Well, with the tools in particular, I want to talk a little bit about that. In sure, that go ahead. Everything that we have an electronic appliance for, we had a way to accomplish without electricity before then. You know, whether we're talking about a a kitchen mixer or tilling the land or mowing the lawn, whatever the case is, we had non-electric options before we invented the electric ones. So explore some of those things and, you know, pick some of them up. You can find great deals on a lot of this stuff at rummage sales and thrift stores and flea markets. You know, the unfortunate reality is some of those things are now considered antique, and therefore, because it's old, they think it's worth more than it really is. But you can often find a bargain if you're willing to shop around. If you truly want to prepare for these, you know, long-term events, you need to start now. You know, flea markets aren't going to be around afterwards. You need to find the deals while you can. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You also have a couple of websites, I believe, Jim, uh, survivalweekly.com. And is the other one Disaster Preparedness, DisasterPrepConsultants.com, I yes. believe that's the other one. Okay. Survival Weekly is kind of my home online. That's where I post all my reviews and blog posts and that. And Disaster Prep Consultants is... The business I have where I offer uh, classes, training, all that kind of stuff. Makes sense. And uh, you're also working on a follow-up book, Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide Book 2. I don't know if that's the final name yet, but that's the working title at least. Uh, and that's, you say, you tell me before the show you're working on that right now, and it'll, it'll be yep. released sometime in the future. We don't have a date yet, so people can be looking for that. Jim, it's always good having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. As a reminder to our audience, our website is all for good news. 
Survivalsection.com. Visit our survival section, which has hundreds of stories pertinent to this topic. With engineer Gavin Wright, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of All for Good Radio.